Chapter Twenty One of Mabel Ross, the Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One, Heart Scalds. Dreary indeed were Hilda's experiences at her present place of labor. When she returned home, it was with her hands aching and bleeding from the painful pressure of the large three-sided needle, and the wounds it otherwise inflicted. How completely were fading out the hopes in which she had sped to her new employment. Debbie gets along better than I do, she, one evening, said in a desponding tone to Mabel. She's a good bit bigger and stronger than I am, and her hands are almost twice the size. My hands are just good at nothing. They ain't big enough for heavy work, yet they can't move fast and neatly as I want them at other sorts. I wish I could find out what they are good for. I'm sure it hasn't turned up yet. Poor, dear little hands, said Lily, caressing them with her own. How they're swelled and bruised. Worse, oh yes, worse than they've been yet. I do wish, Mabel dear, Hilda mightn't go any more to that dreadful sail loft. I wish, too. She might never have to go again, dear Lily, replied Mabel. And really, Hilda, I do not see how you can go tomorrow. By forcing yourself to work with your hands in this condition, you will eventually lose time. But I can't bear to give up, replied Hilda. They say if you only keep steady to it, after a while the hands get hardened to it, and the right hand gets so horny in the palm it can feel nothing. They call it getting the hand palmed. Plenty of girls have their hands in this way. They're hard as can be, and all drawn crooked and gathered up this way. And she distorted her hand to show the appearance given by the palming. Will you let her do it, Mabel dear? Lily said. Will you let poor Hilda? get her nice little hands all drawn up and hard like... Hilda checked the remainder by gently placing her left hand over the lips of the little girl. Of course she will, she replied, and of course I'd be only too glad to have it so. But there are many, many days between now and that comfortable condition of things, my little sister, and there's no jumping them neither. I've been looking at hands today that a year or so ago I'd have been foolish enough to cry if mine were like, but you may believe I'd be proud and happy to have these useless things like them now. I'm sure I'm glad they're not, rejoined Lily. Ain't you, Mabel? Mabel sighed as, for a moment, she paused in her work. I'd be happy, she said if Hilda were not obliged to do anything hurtful to her hands. But we cannot always choose what we will do, my little Lily. Yes, Mabel dear, I know, again said the little feeble voice from the bed. I know, only I had forgot. Oh, Mabel, Mabel, what a dreadful thing it is to be poor. There are very much worse things, my darling. Yes, Mabel, to be ill and suffering is one of them. Maybe it wouldn't seem so very dreadful to me to know we're poor, 
if I was all right and running about as I once was. But it's so tiresome to be all the time lying here. It makes everything seem the worst, you know. For another moment, Mabel paused in her work, and her eyes filled with tears as she fixed them pityingly upon the little sufferer. But never mind, Mabel dear, said the affectionate child. It's not so very, very tiresome, and sometimes, you know, I feel almost easy, and that makes up for the rest. The worst thing is to see you working so hard, and to know I'm all the time giving you trouble. But little Lily was not always so thoughtful for her sister. The unfavorable change which had taken place in her condition had, in a measure, warped the evenness of her temper. Constant suffering, of a greater or less degree, had the effect of rendering her, at times, fretful and impatient, uncertain in her wishes, and even a little selfish in her exactions. Mabel understood too well the condition of the poor child to be surprised at this, and when, at moments of comparative ease, Lily would remorsefully reproach herself for her want of consideration for one so kind to her, it became the sister's task to soothe and to forgive. For Lily was not satisfied but to have her say she forgave, and to encourage, as she best could, to future patience. The next morning Hilda found her hands so painfully sensitive to the slightest touch that she was obliged to absent herself from her working place. "'Some good shall come of my having to give up,' she said to Mabel. "'You must take a walk in this clear morning air, Mabel, while I look to Lily. You're looking so pale and thin, as I never saw you yet, and the exercise will do you good. Really,' You have had nothing to call a walk for these three or four weeks. Mabel sighed. It was a habit growing on her to sigh, less, it appeared, from depression of spirits than from physical fatigue. I scarcely think I can take the time, she replied, with a wistful glance through the window at the bright blue sky. If I keep steady at these vests, I may get the remainder of this second dozen finished by evening and I am wanting the money so badly. I never heard you say before that you are quite without money, Mabel. And Hilda looked anxiously at the face her sister bent over the buttonholes she was making. I do not consider that I am without it now, said Mabel, since there are some dollars so nearly owing me on the vests. But you can understand, I am anxious to get them done. I am owing for the last tea and debt, you know, is a thing I make every effort to avoid. I know, Mabel, for you have deprived yourself of many things I thought essential to avoid it. Well, it has come at last, or rather, I should say, it threatens to come. But if I can get my vests finished, I shall be able to pay the debt before night and get more tea, for the last will not last through tomorrow, nor will the sugar. I'm glad we have given them up, cried Hilda, at least that I have, for you ought to take tea, Mabel. You sit up working nights and have scarcely any exercise, and you need it more than at any time yet. I can do without it, was the quiet reply. 
You and I will go share and share together, dear Hilda. But lightly as she took the resigning of her tea, it was a grave privation to Mabel. It was a refreshment that the overtasked frame needed, especially when most of the night hours had been passed at the sewing machine, or in some household labor that the day work had left no moment for. There was a feature attending its resigning, too, which caused Mabel no small embarrassment. This was the necessity of concealing the fact from Lily. It had been the child's delight to have her dear Mabel take her cup of hot tea at the time she took her own, and she could not understand why her sister should now, as she said, preferred to take it at some other time. You used to say it was sweeter to take it along with your little Lily, she would reproachfully remark, and now you let her take hers all alone, and it don't taste half so good. Mabel had no recourse under such home thrusts but to engage the child's attention on something else. May God, in his goodness, enable me still to provide such comforts for her. In her own heart, the poor girl would say, I can bear up under every trial, but to see her want. That evening, which was Saturday, the vests were completed. Mabel carried them home, and having received the money due her, hastened to liquidate her debt and procure the articles needful for Lily on the coming Sunday. Again, she had a few dollars in hand, and again was free from debt. And her sleep that night, and the rest of the next day, were sweeter for the knowledge. End of chapter 21